Hello there and welcome to the Pepper Pod, Le Pod de uh, Poivre. God, I had to think about that. That's terrible. That's terrible. Um, studied it for many, many years. Couldn't remember the word for pepper. And, and uh, I don't know, actually, I wonder if... Um, it's a good start to this pod, Eddie. It's strong. I wonder if there is a French word for podcast. I suspect that because it's one of those modern words that they just uh, say podcast. Um, anyway, how how are you? I think that's exactly how they would say it. Um, mm. I spent more time outside the classroom during French lessons than inside the classroom. I was forever getting kicked out of my French classroom when I was young. Mm. I don't know why. James, um, uh, James Balfour. Um, yeah. Yes. What, what did you, without again straying into inappropriateness, what did you get chucked out? Is there one particular instance of getting chucked out of the French classroom that you can regale us with? I can't remember any specific examples, but I remember my teacher was called Mr. Marshall. He was a nice man, quite young for a teacher, and uh, I just clearly didn't have the, the respect he was after or looking for, and um, it probably just involved throwing rubbers at him. Um, flicking ink was always Can a popular I just one. say for our American listeners, because that, that sounds horrendous, you know, that you're flicking um, contraception at him. It's not rubbers, erasers. You're, that's what you're throwing at your teacher. So that's bad enough, actually, and that's a breakdown in authority that we don't like to see. So Yeah, it was um, not, not a... I hated French. I think I got an E in French. It was my worst GCSE. So my GCSEs, I was allowed to drop about five subjects because they knew at that point all I cared for was golf. Hmm. And the school kindly let me drop loads of subjects, but I got one B, five Cs, a D, and an E. The B was in PE because I got an A star in my um, physical, was it called physical or practical? And my theory, I think I got like a C or a D because I'm pretty stupid, but quite an athlete. Um, Were you good so, at other sports? Yeah, I was, yeah, I was good at everything really. I was one of yeah, those kind I, yeah. of, you know, I was all-rounders. Amazing, yeah. yeah. Um, football? Yeah, I was a decent footballer when I was a kid. Played for uh, the best uh, local boys team. We used to trash every team 20-0. Um but then the problem with me, I was quite weak. So I was really good on the small pitches. And then once we hit the kind of age of 12 and we moved to the big pitches, I really struggled and the big kids took over. And then I kind of thought, nah, this isn't for me. I'll stick to golf. Um, mm. So, yeah, what about you, Andrew? What sports did you play? I can imagine you being in the rugby, strong rugby player. Uh, I was, I liked rugby. I was, I was, but the trouble is that rugby at school is that we will get on to golf in a minute. I promise everybody, you know, we've got a tournament to review. We will be doing that. Um, yeah, I love rugby, but um, at school, it's all about who develops earlier. So, you know, each school, you have 12 year olds who are fully grown men with moustaches. And uh, and so the it, rugby at school is just we'll give the ball to our big uh, genetic anomaly and he will run at their genetic anomaly and then there'll be a collision of genetic anomalies and uh, and then the, the sort of normal sized children will just pick up the scraps from that get it back to big Malky we'd say and big Malky would run at big whoever it might be anyway you, this is a you you reminded me there of that book Malcolm Gladwell Outliers have you read that. I haven't. I've heard you uh, wax lyrical about it, and it's it's referenced many times. And that's the ten. That is the ten thousand hours one, isn't it? The well, 10, but more in, it it is. But more interestingly, he talks about. Um, I think he uses the example of ice hockey players in America or Canada, and he looks at how disproportionately they're all born in the months of January and February because it correlates to the school year, and how because they are say ten months more physically developed than those born in November or December. They therefore disproportionately make it through because of the physical nature of ice hockey. It's fascinating when you look at it like that, and you, and you realise that you know the kind of discrepancies in just the system well, the way it is with it, the school years. And that's what they do in, uh, I think, in New Zealand schools now, in particular because um, South Sea Island children are far more developed early on. So you're not playing against people from the same year. You do it. Uh, I think they they do it more often by weight. Because it's right. just, and again, a child's confidence will be totally knocked if you're, you know, trying to tackle somebody who's a fully grown man effectively when you're a twelve-year-old. It's just there's no point in it, and you'll get absolutely disillusioned with it, dissuaded from doing sport, and knocks your confidence in other aspects as well. So there's a lot to be but said for it. That's really interesting. But say you've got a twelve-year-old, really like fat twelve-year-old, is he up against a slim eighteen-year-old? I mean, is that not kind of fat shaming the poor little fat kid? <laughs> Well, maybe they don't do it just specifically by weight and say, oh, right, okay, well, you're 100 kilos. You are obviously a tremendously gifted athlete. Do you know what this is leading us very neatly onto? Bryson? Yay, <laughs> Bryson. It's almost so, as if that was planned, which it totally wasn't. Um, 
Oh dear, we need to talk about Bryson. Well, let's talk about the Charles Schwab. Let's leave uh, Eddie's E in French uh, in French behind and talk about the Charles Schwab challenge, the colonial, because golf to talk about and so much to talk about. Um, winner, first of all, Daniel Berger. Um, great story. Again, we mentioned him in our There Aren't Many Golfers Called Alan, talking about Daniel's Danny's. It talked about the injury he'd had with his wrist, thought he might not play again. And here he is back winning again, winning his third title. And he always wins in this week. People have pointed out that he you know, he won in Memphis because usually it's the Memphis week, the week before the US Open. Won twice there, uh, 16 and 17, and then wins this week, winning the Colonial. So beating Colin Morikawa in the playoff, Morikawa lipping out from about, um, three feet or so in the first playoff hole. But, uh, I mean, again, so many stories. Um, let's come to Bryson in a moment. First of all, what about no fans? Did you? What did you think about that? I I didn't think it was too different for the first few rounds, but then I must say yesterday when there were a few clutch putts that went in and there was just no noise. I mean, I actually was struck. The, I saw when Colin Morikawa had a putt to win, I suppose, on the 18th in regulation, there was just Daniel Berger watching on. And I thought this is now like being back at a junior golf tournament. That's exactly what would have happened. So um, that was a bit strange. Um, I think the final days, you know, need crowds, um, I must say. But I, on the whole, it didn't you know bother me too much I, I didn't notice it or care about it at all until like you say the, the big moments in the final day and that part in particular which needed a bit of oh a bit of oh uh, perhaps yeah. slightly more butch than that but oh as he missed um but apart on, from that on, it didn't make any difference i don't think no and on daniel Berger, i i saw well a couple of things a the course in memphis if it's the same course i played last year which i think it probably is south wind um they are. It's a very similar course to Colonial uh, in terms of the layout, and but also I see here that's his thirtieth consecutive round of par or better, which yeah. or under par, which is such a sneaky stat. I couldn't, you know, I think that's the longest active streak, and he's well, still probably a long way to go to catch up with Tiger, but that's pretty impressive. I'm talking oh. about under the radar. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Um, oh. oh, yeah, no, there she is. Anyway, so Bryson, be... Bryson's turned up with Patrick. Bryson's turned up with a, a plate of meat. So actually, Bryson against Olive in a, an eating contest would be pretty, pretty close. I think he's the only one who could take her on. So he he was just a shot behind, shot out of the playoff. Um, and you know, you look at it, he was playing with Rory on the final day, and what was it sixty six to seventy four? I mean, McElroy. Don't know what happened to him in particular, but you look at McElroy, who spent the whole of lockdown exercising, and you know had a sixty-three. Could have been even better um, earlier in the tournament, and and then just fell apart a bit in the final day. Only only three players shot more, over seventy-four on the final day, um, so I'm not quite sure what went on there. But then he's up against Deshambo, who's spent the whole of lockdown eating, and he. But it but it worked, didn't it? I mean, it has you know whatever you think about the the weight, force, mass uh, equals greater speeds. It worked. He was pounding the ball, but doing some other stuff well as well. But I'm not sure it was a good look, but it worked. So I kind of applaud him for it. Yeah, I do as well. I mean, I agree with you. It looks awful. And Bryson, I mean, when Bryson first came out, I thought he had a wonderful looking swing. Um, but now it doesn't look so good. But you know to have maintained the range that he's maintained in spite of putting on all that weight is flabbergasting for me because I imagine if I went to the gym and tried to bulk up so much you would just lose range but he's obviously trained in such a way to maintain it which is impressive and he's trained for speed and he's got that um you know he has become the longest hitter in the game seemingly which is pretty extraordinary and I think he's just taken the gamble because I think it's a somewhat of a gamble although it's certainly an educated one that this is where golf has headed and is going to continue to head. And if I am the longest in the game, then that's something that um, will, I'll be rewarded for. And I think probably he'll be vindicated on that. Um, but again, you know, like you say, he was still great with his, his wedges and he putted pretty well. He, you know, so he's not really lost control. Um, it's just a pretty awesome, uh, awesome what he's done. I've got to take my hat off to him. I just I don't think it looks good. I'm not saying I don't think he looks good. I mean I I don't think he looks as good as he used to look. But in terms of what, you know, the aesthetics of golf as well. You know, he comes out there in the in the Ben Hogan cap, and he is as far now from Ben Hogan as it is possible to get. He's this very industrial, mechanized, um, golfing, eating, bulking up machine that just pounds the ball. He does. I mean, it was very very impressive because as you say, speed doesn't come from just bulking up. You've got to somehow maintain 
maintain that flexibility and and hand speed somehow. So it's not just you know don't try this at home, kids, because you'll know that it's not, it's it's about far more than that. Oh, I, I can't. That's the thing. If you just go and lift weights, you do bulk up. You do become slower. You know, so you have to. He's obviously trained with range, and I, I did see something where he was talking about this with his trainer, and they made a specific. Um, note on that you know that he every exercise was about full range of motion despite the weight Um, so you know he's really thought about it and positionally his swing hasn't really changed a lot I saw frames and it looks the same he's just way way chunkier Hmm. so um, you know it's quite impressive I've got to be honest I I don't you know and I saw people saying I think I saw Paul McGinley say you know this is bad because everyone's going to be trying to do this now and I think that's not true I, I don't see professional golfers at that at the top level thinking oh I need to do what Bryson's doing um you know Bryson's so far away from conventional thinking anyway that um I think for most people they, they wouldn't take that risk well I mean and look at the other people in contention there because Morikawa you know Berger uh, Xander Schofley these are relatively well normal sized if not small people and and Xander Schofley can shift it out there so there are more ways to do it I just I, I do feel a little bit uncomfortable when you see courses like Colonial they were just taking it apart even you know and the wind got up on the final day but they were just uh, you know I just saw so many wedges into greens and I'm, I wonder what and, and it's an old argument about equipment but I just wonder if there is a way to change things in terms of the courses they play to make things just harder, firmer, more more tricky and difficult and fiddly, um, because otherwise you're taking a lot of players out of the equation who are very, very skilled players. Yeah, no, I, I think I agree with that. Um, you know, you look, think of courses like Valderrama and, and they definitely play into other types of, of people's hands. Um, but, you know, you've got these guys have... Bryson has worked hard to gain an advantage and if he was to face me now say I was playing as Bryson on a number of courses I mean I would have a hard time beating him with how far he's hitting it um, and you know even if you rolled the ball back 20% he's still going to be hitting the ball a lot further than somebody like me so you know yeah you might he might go from hitting a lob wedge into greens to a pitching wedge or a nine iron but I'm going from hitting a eight iron to a six iron and that has a probably an even bigger you would then even compound the difference because you know it isn't as equal going from an eight to a six as it is from a uh, you know a lob wedge to a mm. kind of nine iron. So um, I don't know the answer to this. I suppose the answer is as much variety as we can throughout the year. But I still don't buy the argument that you can only win on tour if you're long. You know there are many many winners. In fact, Daniel Berger's not long. There are many good great players who aren't you know long long hitters of the ball and they're just very skilled. So um, you know I, I still think there's other ways to attack the cat. Attack cats. Uh, we we do not endorse attacking cats. Well, Olive does actually. She Pip actually does as well. Yeah. Yeah. So some of us do firmly endorse that. Um, it was not a good advertisement for uh, Honma because uh, Justin Rose, having changed back from his multi billion dollar contract, it's not multi billion dollar contract. I'd like to make that clear. So having left Honma um, to go back to old sticks, effectively. Um, you know, he was he he suddenly looked great again, and uh, it was good to see him in contention. Yeah, did I tell you when I played about when I played the Pram at HSBC uh, in 2018 in China, where I did my back in, and uh, I played the <laughs> Sorry, Pram I'm not with them. Um, but I do remember that week. Well, that was yeah. we we did our little life on tour podcast oh, as well. Good um, times. Good times. I played with the chairman of Honma that week in the Pram. Have I told you that? No, and he, go on. He, he he walked in after 12 holes oh yes um, you have told me about that but it's yeah. worth telling again I quite enjoy it um, well yeah it was him and I think two other Chinese people I think he was Chinese but he could have been Japanese but um he had uh, he had his gold Honma clubs and he was a really friendly guy, really really lovely but he was on his phone the whole way around right. which is strange because usually that's me but um he was doing it and uh, but he um he just got up and left after 12 holes we played the par three I think it was the 12th or the 13th and just went in is Bye-bye. this Possibly because you'd paid so little interest that you didn't even know if he was Chinese or Japanese. <laughs> no, it, I couldn't tell. I couldn't distinguish a difference in his language. But but he didn't speak any English. But um, he uh, he just he just got up and left at one point. So uh, mm. three three ball we became, and we didn't win the pro am, mm-hmm. and I did my back in. So uh, what a week. His, his revenge was sweet. Yeah, I'm kind of starting to see things from his point of view. But um, in terms of great players, well, they're struggling now. Uh, so Justin Rose, um, you know, had, had a chance, came close. He was uh, a shot behind as well. 
But again, good to see him back. McElroy, what do you make of uh, McElroy? Because, the, you know, we were talking last week on the pod about how impressive his run had been of top fives in tournaments, I think seven in a row. And then coming in, it looked uh, for all the world as if he was going to do that again um, and just fell away. So, um, again, you can perhaps sometimes read too much into it. Everyone's allowed a bad round now and again. Yeah, I think that's probably the approach I would take. You know, he I think I saw that's his first non-top five since last August or something, mm, which yeah. is insane. Um, yeah, I think it was probably just one of those days and got off to a bad start. It was hot, wasn't it? I thought it was really hot, the weather, and um, probably just got a bit frustrated. And plus he was playing with Bryson, watching Bryson just decimate the course, maybe. Mm. He thought, oh, could do without this. I'll go back to my hotel and quarantine i'm interested to know what they're all doing in terms of that you know i i suspect they're not staying in hotels they're all probably in their own houses and there is an element of freedom that uh is being afforded that well hmm. i mean this is almost as if you planned it again eddie because we can find out hopefully if we do speak to him <laughs> so otherwise this will sound very strange but we can find out because tied with McElroy in 32nd place tied with Brooks Kepka in 32nd place was Matt Fitzpatrick who played at Colonial is going on to play at Hilton Head and we can hear from him now <laughs> so Matt Fitzpatrick uh, where are you at the moment Matt be precise uh, I'm currently um, on a charter plane from Fort Worth, Texas to uh, Hilton Head Island for the RBC Heritage next week. Oh, tremendous. So is this the is this the plane that we have been talking about for the last couple of weeks? This is the special plane that uh, only special people get onto? Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's very, very special. Um, you know, it's a bog-standard American plane, uh, United Airlines currently in economy plus so i've got a couple inches extra of leg room which is nice but uh, i'm uh, yes. i'm picturing con air um so now we need to think who would be who so who's nicholas cage and all this who's the madman the bold guy what's his name malkovich who uh, who's who who's on the plane have we got is grayson murray on there because you know he would fit right in con air no he's not he's not mm. i think i heard i heard a rumor last week that he hit it in the water and then just walked off the golf course Oh, who would do that? Yeah. Just, yeah. Um, uh, just apparently, uh, he didn't even run out of balls either. <laughs> <laughs> so, so is this the one that you've got a space between seats? I mean, the economy plus for a start. Um, whoa, he. Um, but so you've got a space. So, is this for players and caddies and nobody's sitting right next to each other? How does it actually look? Um, yeah, let me tell you, it's, that's not the case. Uh, <laughs> I unfortunately have a row to myself, but. Uh, everyone else seems to just be sitting, leaving a seat space, and um, yeah, do, doing doing what they feel feel like they want to do, really. So, um, yeah, there's no, there's not really too much social distancing. Who who's the biggest name on there apart from yourself? Who is just below NetJet's level that, that is on that flight? <laughs> uh, well, I just seen uh, last week's. Uh, Almost winner, Colin Murakawa. He's just walked on. So oh. I guess he's the biggest name in golf right now, behind Daniel Berger. Oh, no. Yeah, but you see now, he's. I think he's got a bit of Japanese heritage, right? Colin Murakawa. So shows a bit of frugality, smartness. He knows. He knows not to waste his, all his money on private jets. So I'm not surprised there. Okay, so just before we uh, drift off down national stereotyping routes with Eddie, uh, Matt, so how was how was the golf last week? How was the whole experience, first of all, of playing, at, well, just playing tournament golf again? Uh, it, yeah, it, it was great, to be honest. Um, just to be back out competing, it, it kind of, it didn't really, it, it didn't really feel like a tournament in a way, because, I don't know, maybe it's just me personally, I don't know how Eddie feels, but like when, before quarantine and everything, playing tournament golf, you kind of get ready, but it's like, almost became it did become a or in my opinion anyway it felt sometimes more like a, a job i guess and you were you know it was very you know focused very strict i, I don't know if something about this week just felt a little bit more relaxed like a little bit more enjoyment in it and um you know it, it, it definitely it felt it just felt great to be to be back really hmm. yeah and what about the I mean, the obvious thing was the the the, the lack of fans. I, I, from a viewing point of view, Eddie and I were talking about it. didn't It didn't actually make that much difference until the final moments. But what was it like as a player? No, I, I, I would have to agree. Um, I mean, I, I didn't play well enough to, to get up there to, to, you know, have any different feeling. But 
I would imagine for the guys up at the, the top of the leaderboard, it was probably a bit, bit flat to be honest, and a bit, a bit weird. Um, but for for everyone else, honestly, it was, it was there was no problem. It was nice. There's a few less, few less distractions, I guess. There was actually a few people crowding around the, the fences around the golf course, uh, so people did come to see a little bit, but. Um, Without the fans, it, it was. I certainly think that the the leaders, um, for the, and particularly for the TV, it was, it was definitely a little bit more flat, which was obviously disappointing, I guess. What do you do? What, what do you do now? So uh, you're on the plane. Then are you going to? Do you all go to the same hotel? And then is there t- what's the testing procedure before Hilton Head gets underway? Yeah. So the the, the plan now is to uh, is to, to fly get to. Hilton Head, and then um, everyone getting getting your rental car, go to your accommodation for the week. But you you have to, I think, yeah, Monday today is the latest day you can um, test before playing next week. So testing closes at like six p.m. You need to go get a, a nasal swab uh, that goes so far you know as it feels like it touches your brain, um, and then hopefully that you get the results a couple hours later tells you whether you're negative or, or not and uh, you're good for the week. I mean, I once you get the test and then you get your results, you, you have to go get a special band then to be allowed into the clubhouse and the locker rooms and all that. So, um, yeah, you need to make sure you take test, uh, test negative before you can uh, use all the facilities. Hmm. Do you uh, have any inclination, Matt, that there's anyone out there who's going to get fed up of it and just think, no, nah, this isn't for me, I'll just hang on a, a month or two? I've not really heard any complaints and to be fair it's been pretty smooth uh, really like when I pitched off on Monday we landed and then I went straight to the test centre it took two minutes got to the course registered took two minutes I could practice and stuff and then I got my results got this special band then I could go in the clubhouse um, everything about it has been really smooth and then to be fair getting on the flight today has, has been incredibly easy just pitch up uh, go through sort of the um, scans from from uh, like TSA and stuff, and uh, I mean we literally drove up to the to the plane and, and dropped our luggage off. So um, it has been very easy, really. So they've done a great job of that. Yeah. What well, I mean, once you get those bands, once you get a, a a clear test, are you then allowed to, you know, high five, shake hands, get close to uh, other players who have passed the test? <laughs> Well, I think that's what everyone else is doing. I mean, I, on paper you're not supposed to, but yeah, it's. Um, I mean, the 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 texts went round consistently all week. Every day, I think I got a text. Woke up to a text from the tour saying, you know, please maintain social distancing. It's good for health and safety as well as like maintaining our sports integrity or something. Uh, I didn't really read it; I just deleted it. But um, <laughs> I, I think it's. It, uh, I'm social. Obviously, I, I am genuinely social distancing from people. I'm trying to keep my distance, but other people just don't really have much spatial awareness. Hmm. Um, so, are you? Is everyone in a hotel, or is everyone in houses? And can you go shopping? Like, what? How much freedom have you well, got? Yeah, I mean, I don't really know to be honest. Ed. I I, uh, I know that the email went round that it was basically like, please don't go out. It's prohibited to go out and have dinner and you know, just eat in the hotel, room service or delivery. And uh, I think a lot of people were going out for dinner and stuff in the evening. So um, I think it's pretty it's pretty relaxed. I mean, this, this week was okay. We're kind of in the city a little bit and, and majority of people were in a hotel and there was only a handful in houses. This week's a little bit different because Harbour Town is, is sort of a, there's no big hotels that are nearby the course. So I would have thought the majority of will be uh, in houses um, oh. and they'll be doing doing their own thing like that really yeah, yeah. On, on this week um, Matt I mean Hilton Head is one of your favourite places isn't it I mean it's very different being at this it time is, of yeah. year you know as uh, Eddie's saying it's going, it's going to be hot this year but you love that place I do yeah I'm, I've never been at this time of year so I'm, I'm very interested to, to see what it's going to be like actually um, I'm sure the golf course will be in, in unbelievable condition I know it's been closed for a while so um, I think the week as a whole, and also a lot of the holes actually are lined by houses. Hmm. Um, so I think there'll be a lot. Of, I think there'll be a lot of people that come out 
um, and just sit in there, sit in the back garden and, and watch the goal. So I think we might actually get a few fans this week. Yeah, I mean, one of my reasons for asking that as well is that Hilton Head is, you know, you look at what uh, was happening at Colonial, we've been talking a lot about Bryson DeChambeau just uh, monstering it and, and, and monstering himself up as well. The, the game, I remember talking to you at the... That must have been Beth Page. We shot sixty-five, but you knew that you couldn't compete that week, despite that round. That that was a one-off because the game at certain courses is just beyond you, and it's all about distance. So I just wonder how you feel about uh, about the way that things are still going in the game, and and, and still seem you know highlighted by Deschamps' gain in distance and weight. Yeah, I mean, I got got to give him credit, I guess, um, to to put that much effort into to, to getting massive and. Um, hitting it miles, uh, fair play to him. He, he, he's, you know, he's done what he said he was going to do. Uh, I was talking to Poulter actually about it last week, and I just think I can't see how it's going to give him any advantage at a U.S. Open, and I can't see how it's going to give him any advantage at the, the British Open. You know, by all means, I'm sure he, he could prove me wrong, but I think it's interesting to see, and I think it's actually good for, good for the fans to see someone, you know, doing something different. I mean, he, he always has done something different, hasn't he? But, yeah. um, you know, obviously I saw what Monty was saying about the ball needs to be rolled back as well and, and all that. So it's, just, it's certainly a strange time, and I, I think sort of Brighton's power move um, might, might change things or, or it might just, you know, things might just carry on as normal. Yeah. Um, right, we've got to let you go because you are you are you taxiing out to take off at the moment, or are you just sitting there in Ryanair style? Oh, uh, you're just sitting here Ryanair style at the minute, but I think I think I don't think it'll be long before we before we go. Okay, excellent. Well, listen, you you keep on um, living the economy plus life, Matt, and um, <laughs> good luck for this week. Let's keep deleting the messages Thanks, from the PGA Tour as well. That's that's all <laughs> message. <laughs> Just delete, <laughs> delete. Um, right. Okay. Listen. Thanks for joining us, Matt. And uh, yeah, all the best this week. I know it's a place you love, so go well. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate Play well. That. Play well, Matt. Good to speak Cheers, to you. Cheers, Eddie. Eddie Pepperell. Which one is he again? If we don't hear from Matt Fitzpatrick later in the day, then I'll just leave all this in and it will just sound strange. But if we do hear from him, then we're going to drop this in. So we'll just have to react right now to what Matt said. Matt Fitzpatrick there. Um, One more thing from Colonial uh, is that the world rankings have restarted. Now, I've tried to uh, look into this and the way they're doing it because there's a bit of outcry. I mean, not a huge outcry, but a uh, sort of niche outcry. But you you would have a point in being able to protest slightly about them because um, they started again. So obviously no European tour events, uh, no tour tours elsewhere. I mean, the Corn Ferry is going again, the level below the, the PGA Tour. So we'll maybe talk about that in a moment. Uh, or maybe not. But anyway, so, I mean, you have... Just in this week off of walking your dogs, um, not killing local wildfowl, of eating meat, you've slipped down to, what is it, 60, 71st in the world now? Just because of people playing at Colonial who've moved ahead of you? Yeah, I thought I saw this morning. I thought, I'll have a look. And seven spots I dropped. So uh, I think by the time I next play, I probably will have dropped 20 to 25 spots maybe, which obviously is going to have an impact like that. That would be the difference probably at this point between getting in the US Open and not. Well, exactly. I'm told that everything is going to be taken into account, um, but I don't quite know how that, you know, in terms of the, the um, equations they use and the weight they give to certain tournaments, that they are taking into account the fact that, I mean, the OG, o, OWGR is is effectively uh, contributed to, run by, and associated with all the main tours. So they must have agreed to this. In some well, resp- go on. I, I do believe Keith didn't. Um, I believe that he was the only objection. Um, I mean, and, and absolutely which... right, because I, like you say, it's not this. The, the world golf ranking is not as it used to be in the dim and distant past, just a, so you could make a reference and go, oh, right, uh, I, I see that they're the fourth best player in the world. That kind of means something because it's a ticket into bigger events. You would almost think there might be some legal recourse for people who would might miss out on a, a WGC or a, a major because they've slipped down the rankings when they haven't been able to respond to it. Now, I know in the Masters, they're just, they've are just they just set it already. Um, but in terms of getting into the US Open, it will it would make a difference. Yeah, well, I, 
I'll be honest though, the, the approach I've kind of had with it is the PGA Tour have taken risks and decided to get back at it earlier than the European Tour and other tours around the world. And maybe they should be rewarded for that. You know, it, the, these countries in Europe that decided to cancel events way back. I mean, I honestly personally think now that was too much too soon. And we're going to regret that, I think. And now if the PGA Tour want to take a risk and get on with it, I think they should be rewarded for that. I'm personally not against it. So I don't have any hard feelings towards any of these guys. It is what it is. I think, hey, you're lucky if you've got a PGA Tour card at the moment and you go over there and play. But uh, you should you should be rewarded for that. And um, I think they are ultimately. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. That's very generous of you when JT Poston has moved above you. I'm not sure about um, Jason Cockrack. Well, uh, because you know, it's not. It shouldn't be rewarded for bravery, stroke, foolhardiness of getting going again. That's not. That doesn't mean that the players get rewarded in terms of their rankings and getting into bigger tournaments. It might be. Listen, you are one of the people affected. So if you're not bothered, then perhaps we should just follow your lead. Um, well, Andrew, you know me. I, I'm. I, I'm not a victim. Um, no, uh, you're a victim. Uh, whatever the opposite of victim is. Um, uh, right, okay. <laughs> Let's talk about the Corn Ferry Tour. Why not? Uh, because it also restarted, just to wrap things up from the weekend, because Luke List won at Sawgrass by a shot from Shad Tutin. Shad, not Chad, Shad. There aren't many golfers called Shad. Uh, some good names down the down the leaderboard. Chris Ventura, uh, Theo Humphrey, Vince India, Austin <laughs> Smotherman... <laughs> I'm not making any of these up. Austin, Austin Smotherman. <laughs> Austin Smotherman. <laughs> oh, anyway. Um, and uh, there was an English player up there, Callum Tarran. Finished 23rd from Darlington. He's on the modest golf management stable. He just missed out on a European tour card in 2018. and went to play in the China tour, now over in the US. Actually, I think he qualified for the US Open last year. Um, but anyway, so he's making his way in the world today over on the Corn Ferry Tour, and well done to him, but finishing just behind Vince India and Austin Smotherman. Oh, dear. Anyway. I, I'm, I'm still having a hard time taking the Corn Ferry Tour seriously, just because of its name. I, I, I just I just struggle with it. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. It, it's changed names quite a few times over the over the years. Uh, Nike and Nationwide and Web.com and the Hogan Tour. Corn Ferry is probably the silliest incarnation of it, naming-wise. Um, right, so this week we move on to Hilton Head. Um, as we discussed with Matt Fitzpatrick, who we heard from just a moment ago, or possibly didn't, um, and in the, on the Corn Ferry Tour they've got the King and Bear Classic at King and Bear Golf Club in Florida, which I presume is Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas uh, reference. I so. did just see that the coronavirus cases in Florida have really ticked up, actually, over the last few days, so... Um... Well, good. I'm glad they're getting back to the golf, though, to reward the those who play on the tour with their world golf rankings. That's important. Um, uh, additional sponsors have come in for the Rose Ladies Series. You know, we talked about this, the women's series, which is getting going on Thursday at Brokenhurst Manor. Um, so American Golf have come in to add their sponsorship to it. Uh, I think there are a lot of sponsors actually looking to get on board. So it shows the willing out there. Again, uh, you know, you might be listening to this and going, come on, I... You know, thirty-five thousand pounds. That's been matched, I think, by American Golf, which is is good from you know Justin Rose, and it's good from these companies. But in the grand scheme of things, Daniel Berger won over a million dollars. Um, so it's something. Um, it's something, and it's it's nice to see golf, you know, resuming for the women on it, Thursday. It could be the smartest business move Justin Rose and his team has ever done because it's classic. If you're the first to put some money in somewhere like Justin's done, even if it's not a huge amount and you and you recognize there's a good chance there'll be stuff that follows on from it, like has happened with other sponsors, you're going to still get the bulk of the credit, um, but ultimately it will become a much bigger entity than what it was even with just your involvement. So uh, great. You just, I mean, as the cynic inside of me thinks, what a great move from optically from Justin Rose and his team there. You know, yeah. hun- full marks for that. There is a large cynic inside you. There's a, a DeChambeau-sized cynic inside you. The cynic has gained forty-five pounds during. The I lockdown. did like the. Um, I did like the relationship. I saw that someone tweeted. Uh, obviously, Bryson was beaten by Berger. Bryson Berger. I, I quite enjoyed that. Yeah. That was, uh, uh, there were lots of there were lots of burger references and food references during the the coverage. I would say as well that and 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 again they were doing it remotely, so I'm trying to make some excuses for them. But my goodness, the American golf team they do like to talk. Um, uh, there's a lot of chat going on. It's a sort of 
competition, a chatty competition, um, which is fine on a podcast, but sometimes in commentary, you like to let the pictures breathe, hear a bit of atmosphere from the, the crowd. Yeah, again, my probably the best part of last week was just the no laying up guys on Twitter and some of the tweets surrounding the uh, the golf. I, I do find them funny when when it comes back. I mean, they obviously cannot stand the coverage, and um, you know, I'm rightly so. It's just impossible to watch in America. Yeah. Um, yes. Anyway, um, just one other piece of news from Fort Worth. Bo Hogue didn't make it into the field uh, as one oh. of the alternates, but I did have correspondence with a friend of mine, Kenny Reed from Ayrshire. He's a good player. Uh, brother's a better player but there we go um, Bo Hogue uh, because there is a, a connection to golfing royalty and the bear and the king because uh, Bo Hogue's grandfather was a founding member of Muirfield Village and a friend of Jack Nicholas. and Bo Hogue is from Columbus, Ohio so Bo Hogue, Chris Ventura, Theo Humphrey Vince India, Austin Smotherm and Shad Tootin It doesn't get better and you know last week I said that I knew my old caddy who caddied for Hank Levioda Todd and I was a bit derogatory actually about the way he looks because you know I I have that relationship with him but I since found out actually he doesn't work with him anymore and he's up in Canada at the moment without a bag so uh, you know I felt really bad after last week actually I got in contact with him and said oh Todd I got you a mention on the podcast thinking he'd find it funny only for him to then listen to the very beginning where I called him a fat bold Canadian and then I realised he hasn't got a job I felt terrible oh and also Laurie wasn't very happy with me last week about mentioning um, in fact I played at the Wisley with Laurie uh, last week Um, who won the money uh, Simon Shanks and Jordan Smith beat me and Laurie it was um, we were terrible me and Laurie Uh, I considered putting my sticks away for the rest of the year actually but uh, I'll keep fighting on but um, yeah Wisley is a nice place I must say first time I've been is it first time Um, you've been there first time I've been yeah Mm. yeah uh, yeah, no, it is. A, a, yes, yes, indeed. I tried to swing the golf club in the back garden the other day, uh, and it's just a, I, I got slightly depressed because I just can't turn through at all with my left. Now that there, so. that photo you sent of me, where was that? Because that was a great position. Oh no, I do get in. I, I do get in great positions. That was an Aaron, actually. That was, uh, yeah. No, I, hey, hey. Uh, I'm I'm fine on the yeah. Uh, it's through impact that is the is the key thing though. As my left hip collapses, buckles. Um, when we did that Canon Day at Sunningdale all those years ago, were you the beat the pro? No, I wasn't the beat the pro. I was roped into being on a par three. <laughs> yeah, it was beat the beat the clown. Um, so it was a, I, I think it was like an eight iron, and I I get so nervous about it. It was such a simple shot as well. And these people were coming around, and I had to say, "Sorry, you've got to try and beat me." And I think. You know how when they have beat the pro in these days, and usually maybe I don't know four or five people do it throughout the whole day, and they give away golf balls um, to those who do it. And I think they ran out of golf balls with me. I think almost everybody beat me on that day. But I do remember you filming it, filming one of my swings, uh, and you said you're disappointed because I actually had quite a decent one. So you were good. Uh, you you're playing yourself down here as yeah, you do a little bit. Um, anyway, so right, we're going to move on to our regular features, even though the pod has changed slightly because we've got golf to talk about and. Uh, look ahead to um uh yeah hilton head this week great field again as a quick reminder pretty much you know the same big players who are playing uh this week at colonial are going on to play hilton head so mcelroy's there and kepka and spieth good to see spieth um doing okay again although yeah. closing 71 he could do well at heritage there's not a ton of drivers i must say i played there last year first time loved it it's a great place and a brilliant golf course so um I suspect he could do well. I suspect Schofield will do well. Daniel Berger wouldn't be surprised him to go well again. Um, mm. Yeah, it'll be, oh, it's going to be really hot though. I, I remember last year it was not that hot and it was windy. I look at the forecast this week and I think it's just hot again with not a whole lot of breeze. So a well, bit of a shame. Yeah. And that's that's the shame of it because it is usually the week after the Masters and people really love this stop because it's such a relaxed after the sort of intensity of the Masters. They go to, they go to nip across to Hilton Head and have this relaxed week, uh, you know, shorter course, as I say, it's just got a, a nice vibe about it, but it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty toasty. Yeah, last year, we we drove from Augusta to Hilton Head, and I was warned, pre-drive, make sure you fill your tank up, because you're not going to want to stop when you, you know, during the journey, and I thought, okay, and it's like a two-hour journey, and I must say, God, that was some sage advice because I did not want to stop some of the places we drove through. Mm. Not to be disrespectful to that part of America, but oh my days, it was um, oh, it was frightening. Mm. Well, and we saw the... the longest train ever, ever. There must have been, we were waiting 10 minutes for this train to, to 
you know, we were at a train cross for 20, yeah. 10 minutes. It was unbelievable. I think we tried to count the carriages. It was something like 180 carriages. No, that is, was, that um, is a long train. Yeah. Oh, Eddie's long trains, a uh, regular feature. Um, I was going to fly into Charlotte this year because I've always flown into Atlanta to go to the Masters and you drive up um, I-85 or whatever it is and it's the most tedious drive in the world. So I was going to... I, I booked to fly to Charlotte and drive down the way th- from South Carolina because Augusta is right on the border, basically, Savannah River. It's right on the border of Georgia and South Carolina. So it was only going to be about two and a half hours. So I was going to try something different and it never happened. And I don't think it'll happen in November either. I think the Masters will happen, but I don't think... I wouldn't imagine we'll be doing commentary from there. I think it'll all be done remotely. So, well, who knows? It's still a long way off. But anyway, um, shall we move on to our regular feature of this? I'll tell you what, there aren't many golfers called Alan. Right, there aren't many golfers called Alan. Again, to tidy something up, we always forget uh, some players. And last week when we were doing polls, we forgot a, a, a big one. Paul Broadhurst. Again, it's just, you know, in the, in the heat of the moment, the excitement of the podcast, we sometimes do forget. Paul Broadhurst won half a dozen times in the European Tour. He was my first... Um, first time I saw Paul Broadhurst was the 1988 Open at Lytham. He had a moustache is what I remember. But he was the leading amateur um, when Seve won and had a great battle with Nick Price. But he made the 1991 Ryder Cup as well. So he's unbeaten in Ryder Cup because really? he played in 91. So he only played his first match in the Saturday afternoon four balls, but teamed up with Woosnam to beat Paul Azinger uh, and Hale Irwin. That was a match known as the War of the Pauls. Then he beat Marco Mira in the singles. And his point was the last point won for Europe before Langer's half with uh, with Hale Irwin, which uh, gave the USA the victory. And and then Broadhurst now has had a very good senior career. So he won the 2016 Senior Open at Carnoustie. Last year he won the Senior uh, PGA, US PGA. $585,000 first prize for winning the Senior PGA. Again, put that into context compared to the... Uh, the other money available to other parts of golf. But um, there we are. So Paul Broadhurst, we, we are giving him his his due here because he's been a, he's been a great player for a long, long time. Yeah, he is. I can't believe I forgot that, actually. He's a bit before my time, but a uh, great player. <laughs> well, talking about a bit before your time, let's see if we can do uh, any players this week from, from you, Eddie. If we can do any players from you this week, it doesn't make sense. Anyway, the name this week is Harold or Harry. Um... And obviously Harold Varner III, Harold Varner III, he was in uh, the news this week because of his status as an African-American playing on the PGA Tour and because he was leading at Colonial, 63-66, then 70-72. But last year he was, um, I think he was was tied, he was second going into the final round of the PGA Championship at Bethpage. I think he played with... He played with Kepka in the final round. I think he did he play did. with Kepka in the final round, but uh, really sort of blew himself out of convention. He was eighty-one in the final round. Um, but anyway, Harold Varner the third. So that's our sort of gimme to start with. But uh, have you got any other Harolds or Harrys? Um, I'll be honest. This isn't this isn't in my wheelhouse. Uh, this particular name, but uh, I'm going to say uh, Harry Higgs. Harry Higgs goes on. Um, Harry Higgs. <laughs> I think he's the highest ranked Harry or Harold at the moment. Um, I don't know much about Harry Higgs. He's American, is, is all I know. So Yeah, um, I, I know nothing other than his name. So. Okay, well, that's good. That's a good starting point. Um, Harry Hamlin. Um, no, he's an actor. What was he in? He was in L.A. Law, and uh, also he did um, Clash of the Titans films. Andrew, we watched a great film this week, me and yes. Jen. Walk the Line. Yes, Good. What a great Joaquin, film. Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, and, how um, good is he and Reese Witherspoon? Oh, Reese. <laughs> you can tell your joke again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a good film, isn't it? I, I always think Joaquin Phoenix gets a hard press. He was, you know, I think he's brilliant. I think. Well, I do, but he's a bloody militant vegan, so, you know, he deserves it. Is he? Is he? Yeah, indeed? he's a militant vegan. Apparently, I think he said he militant. saw... He's very militant. He's, uh, I think it's more ethical than anything else, mind. I think he said he saw a fish or something get killed when he was a kid and... Um, you know that was it for him, but yeah, uh, I like him even more. Anyway, now, I think so, he's a yeah. I think he's a great actor. Yeah, yeah, great yeah. actor, lovely man. Uh, anyway, he doesn't count uh, for Harold or Harry's mostly because his name is Joaquin. Um, so uh, I will go with probably the the best of the Harrys, although that will decide that Harry Varden. 
Um, the man who's won the most open championships of all time, the man who had a grip named after him, uh, a trophy as well for um, golfer of the year um, on the European tour. His actual first name, Harry Varden, was Henry. He was from Jersey. Uh, his mother was French and a member of the great triumvirate, uh, J.H. Taylor and James Bray. They each won five Open Championships. Bar- Varden won um, six. They also won the US Open in 1900, but Harry Varden... Uh, was, the you know the book The Greatest Game Ever Played? Well, that was based on Harry Varden, correct? Was it? Was it? Was it? Yeah. Francis Wimay. Francis Wimay. I'm sure Harry Vardon was in that. Am I? Yeah. That was good French pronunciation, but the Americans called him Wimet because they just oh. don't know what they're doing. Um. So, yeah. So, I, well, I, I think, think I haven't I think, seen it. I think the caddy. Well, it's a book. I think caddy was called Eddie as well. Uh, he my was dad called Eddie. Book. He was tiny. Um. Because there's a picture of Francis Wimet. Um. And Eddie. Oh, I did this at the Caddy Awards once. Eddie Redmayne was caddying for him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Eddie, strangely small Eddie. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, yes, so he had a very small caddy called Eddie. Right, so um, have you got another Harry for us? Um, I've got a Harris English. Um, I'm just conferring with the judges. Yes, we'll give you that. Harris English. Um, yeah. What can you tell us about Harris? Uh, a tall man, lovely swing. Works with Justin Parsons on his golf swing. Um, I think that's about it, to be honest. He played in the Walker Cup. In, was he one of the Aberdeen ones, 2011, Royal Aberdeen? Yeah, he is tall. Good. Harris English is tall. Imagine if he had uh, Francis Wiemet's caddy for him. That would be just absurd. It'd be like the Crankies. Um, right. Okay. Do you, that's, do you know who the Crankies are? Have I asked you this before? You see, I've heard of it, but I, I don't know what it is. What are they? I don't know what the crankies is. Um, probably for the best. Right, Harry, Harry, not a golfer. Well, not a great golfer. I think he was a golfer. In fact, I know he was a great a golfer. He made it to the semis of the Amateur Championship back in the day. Harry Colt, great golf course architect. If you look at the list of courses that Harry Colt designed, and a lot of them down in the in the home counties, Denham and St George's Hill, Sunningdale, a new course there, um, Swinley Forest, Brokenhurst Manor, um, where they're playing this Thursday, uh, Stoke Park, uh, the East and West courses at Wentworth, uh, the old course at Sunningdale, I think, was his as well. So Portrush, um, Woodall Spa, did uh, wow. other bits of, he sort of did revamps of Muirfield and Hoylake and Pine Valley, which he did with George Crump. So there we are. He deserves his place, um, Harry Colt, for all his for his legacy in golf course architecture. Yeah, there can't be a better golf course architect. When you name those courses, that is astonishing. I didn't realise there was that many. Gary Player? <laughs> I don't know if Gary. I don't know if Gary plays a, a good golf course architect or not. Uh, did I see that he's? Bit. Did I see that he's just his son was trying to sue him, and that that lawsuit didn't go through or something? I'm oh, sure I saw that in the news. Get the dogs in. Um, I don't know. I don't know. No, what is the you don't need to get the dogs in. I saw a headline the other day. I didn't realise him and his son were, were going at it. But um, okay, yeah, there's there's a feud going on in the player household. I oh, think. Dear. Um, yeah. Any more Harrys from you? Um, I'll be honest, I'm struggling. Um, did we say Harry Ellis? No, you, I didn't, but you did. No, oh, I just did it there. He won the amateur a couple of years ago, 2017, Harry Ellis. Um, and Harold Hilton. So we are going back a bit now, back to Harry Varden-esque um, times. Harold Hilton was the great amateur. But of course, amateur at that time, you know, a lot as many players were amateur as, as professional in terms of, you know, up at the top end of the game. So he was from Hoylake, he was from West Kirby. Uh, won the Open Championship twice, the Amateur Championship four times, and the US Amateur Championship once. Uh, so the Open in 1892 and 97, just before your time. The Amateur in 1900, 1901, 1911, 1913, won the US Amateur in 1911. So there we are. Oh, I, I do have one, actually. Um, Harry Bird. Um, he is the caddy. He's a golf pro, but he also caddies for Jordan Smith. Hmm. Um, and I, I think what he's most famous for is just being generally grotesque. Good, excellent. Well, you can get him to listen to this uh, and enjoy the uh, mention as well this week. Um, have you got anything? Uh, we're going to leave that now for um, there aren't many golfers called Alan because there really aren't too many called Harry or Harold, but a couple of them are the best there have ever been. So uh, let's leave that now and move on to this. Yeah, that's quite good if you like that sort of thing. Eddie recommends, and Eddie's already laughing nervously because I don't think he has anything at all. Um, no, I'm be- looking. 
I'm looking you? around my room. What's what can I? What, I'm observing a. Um, Eddie recommends duvets. Golf um, Pride Align Grip. It's a ribbed grip. I don't know if anyone uses ribbed grips. Now, if, did you were you a ribbed grip or a round grip man? Uh, I well, this was this was a th- so in, in back in the day in the eighties they brought in. I remember the excitement when they brought in half cord and full cord grips. Yeah. Do they still have those? I think so. Because they just tore your hands to shreds, full cords, the Golf Pride ones with full cord grips. And they were quite good in the wet, and it was wet a lot on the west of Scotland. But um, And you were seen as a bit of a hard man if you had full cord. Yeah, I've got full cord. What? I, mean, I hit my one iron. I hit my one iron all the time with my full cord grip. That's how good I am. Um, I remember that at school. I used to be bullied, and then all of a sudden I stopped being bullied because I told the bully that I've used full cord. It yes, was, full, uh, it was full quite cord. Yeah. And hit my one iron right out in the middle. So, okay, I'm going to stop beating beating you up for getting an E in French. Because um, I, I find that bullies do respect a good grade as well. If you get a good grade, then they say, well, and you know what? I respect you, my friend, for getting an A in French, so I'm going to stop beating yeah. the crap out of you. Yeah, so there's the Golf Pride Align. They're a brilliant grip. Um, what else can I see? I've got one of those belts that Puma sent through that are kind of... They're my favourite kind of belts because they're quite stretchy and they're material where they're kind of the... Um, the bit of metal that goes through the belt can go through at any point. So depending on your, you know, particular circumference of your waist, that any given day <laughs> it can be perfected because right. there are no holes. Do you know what I mean? It can go at any point. That's, That's what I have. I have on just now. Climbing belts are like that. So I've got a Haglof's belt on. Haglof's. Right. I think they're a Swedish or a Norwegian company. And yeah, How much did that pull... cost you? 300 quid? That sort of stuff so expensive from oh, that part so of the world, expensive. isn't it? Haglof's stuff is very, very expensive. Haglof's, it's good though. Please sponsor this podcast. Haglofs. Uh, I'm not sure they're into sponsoring golf podcasts. Go on. Also, I, I bought two pairs of Oakley swimming trunks uh, in the week because I had to buy some trunks new shorts. Trunks shorts? Uh, shorts, actually, right, okay. shorts. Yeah. But I had to buy... Good. I gambled with their two different sizes and I got to send one back. But, uh, yeah, I... Um, it was a bit of a tricky one with Jen because I preferred the smaller ones in terms of the fit, but she said, no, they're too small. Mm. So, um, Put yeah, the that's back been... in the house, buddy. This is a family show. Um, that's what they would have said. Um, right. Oh, and the, the only other thing I think of are stance socks that are on the floor. Stance, stance socks? Yeah, they're brilliant. There are a few caddies. Who's the caddy that wears them? I think uh, I think Casey's caddy, Big Johnny Long Socks, wears them. Mm. And uh, I think Bubba Watson's caddy might, or Bubba wears them, I think. Uh, they're great socks. In fact, one year at the US Open in 2017 at Erin Hills, I was on about the 11th hole and I had someone walking with the group who was carrying the microphone, this big strapping young man, and he had these stance socks on. And now stance do these like um, series of socks where you can have famous basketball players, uh, you know, their faces on the socks. They're really cool. They do these great Star Wars ones. Um, so this guy had a pair of basketball socks on. I noticed it and I, I looked at him and I gave him a wink. I said, Look, look at this I pulled my trouser leg up and I had my LeBron James socks on and we knew you know we just connected and uh, it's a great moment really and it's amazing what a pair of socks can it's amazing how a pair of socks can bring people together yeah that's a beautiful thing what, what uh, are stance socks do they uh, help you in your stance or are they just socks and that's just the name of them it's just the name of them they're okay. really popular in CrossFit they're a great brand um, yeah just cool you know check it out check it out mm. Slightly more popular than CrossFit is itself now. Uh, right, so let's move on to uh, just ending this podcast, basically. Let's move on to that part of it, uh, where Eddie has just recommended uh, assorted stuff lying his, around his oh, room. There yes. was actually a book. There was a book I recommended on Twitter, and people said, why don't you do this on Eddie Recommends? So I thought I'd do it, give it another plug. Um, I'll probably get some stick from, from you now, because he's considered a little bit conservative. But Douglas Murray, The Madness of Crowds, it's, uh, it's a very good book. And actually, the audiobooks, particularly funny because he's really posh and um he just narrates it humorously as much as i suspect you do andrew actually with your audiobooks how's that coming along uh i'm not going to do audiobooks again uh unless unless people offer vast amounts of money because they just take a long time and is there a book that you would love to narrate uh, that you can think of what book that you've read would you think oh i wish i could narrate that uh i'd have to say um the best of the Beatles. No, I'd have to say, uh, what would I like to narrate? This is where I try and think of some really deep and... and uh, what, like a 1984? Would that, would that, would oh, that be a... I do. I mean, uh, yes. I'm not just saying this now, because you. but 1984 is one of my favourites. One of my favourite yeah. One of my favourite books. Blooming 1984. Oh, what a year. Um, no, I do. I do like 1984. Um, 
uh, and also Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. Right, okay, uh, enough of trying to appear intelligent. Uh, just uh, We're up to 115 countries listening. Myanmar, or Myanmar, you can pronounce it either way you want, uh, formerly Burma. Actually, some people still call it Burma, um, have joined. One download in Myanmar, possibly in the capital, uh, Rangoon. Yangon is now called. So uh, Myanmar was a country which was... Uh, Again, it's another familiar tale. It was taken under British rule in the sort of mid to late 19th century. It was part of British India. Mandalay, you might know the road to Mandalay. Mandalay was a famous poem by Rudyard Kipling before your time, Eddie. It's the second biggest city, Mandalay. Um, gained independence in 1948. Then there was a military coup in 1962. Again, that's a familiar, uh, familiar tale. Uh, then it was a military state until... 2011. The reason um, perhaps somebody might be listening in Myanmar is golf is actually quite not big in in Myanmar, but there are a lot of courses somewhere around 130 because of its British colonial past. Um, but anyway, I was looking into the two top courses in Myanmar, and the top course was Pun Chlang Golf Club, uh, which was designed by who, Eddie? Oh, not Gary. No, Harold Hilton. No, it was designed by Gary Player. So this led to some controversy because of the uh, human rights situation in Myanmar after the military coup had uh, gone on for decades. So I, I just, I'll just quote something from uh, an article about it. In October 2007, further media controversy arose about his involvement in the 2002 design of a golf course in Burma. As a result of the political uprisings in Burma, the Nelson Mandela Children's Fund withdrew from the fundraising golf tournament, uh, Gary Player's Tournament, because of players' unsubstantiated business links with the country. Both Nelson Mandela and Archbishop Desmond Tutu accepted players' position in statements on Burma subsequently. So um, everything was fine afterwards. But uh, Poon Klang Golf Club was the best course in Myanmar, we're told. Uh, but then it was replaced by Miota National Golf Club. So I just want you to, how long do you think <laughs> Miota National Golf Club is off the championship tees? It's going to be one. Of, it's going to be a crazy uh, eight thousand one hundred yards. It's eight thousand yards. That's, that's see now that's just they're Bryson proofing it, aren't they? Yeah, but they're I think they do use the that on the Asian tour, um, or that's what they're hoping that I think it's going to attract Asian tour events. Anyway, that's uh, that's really it on on Myanmar. Um, and 115 countries listening to the podcast. So we're probably going to wrap things up here. And I think we're going to wrap it up for um, for a little while. We're going to take a break. We're taking a break from all your worries. Sure would help a lot. Yeah, so we've, we've decided we, to do a 15-episode 15, 15 pilot season and uh, throw it out into the world and uh, look for some... Um, we're, we're waiting for... Um, uh, who are we waiting for to come into to sponsors? Hagloff's belt. We need to we need to secure some funding, as <laughs> Eco, as Elon Musk would say in reverse. And uh, we could get him yeah, to fund we, us, couldn't we? Well, wouldn't that be brilliant? Wouldn't that be brilliant? Space sponsored by SpaceX. Um, sponsored by a slightly um, not insane South African American, but just uh, someone who's a bit out there. Let's just say that for fear of his legal reprisals. Um, Don't so, talk yeah. about Gary Player like that. We've we've given Gary Player enough. Agro during this. Uh... Oh, I'm going to heavily edit the close to this program because I'm not sure about any of the things I've said. Uh, it's all out there. <laughs> it's public record. Anyway, um, yeah, so we're going to take a break for a wee bit. Um, and I can hear you cheering out there already. But uh, basically, we've just got to concentrate on a few other things and hopefully come back bigger and better. Make Pepper Pod great again when we come back. Um, because the golf season is going to go on for a long, long time this year. You know, talking about the Masters is going to be in November. So we can't do week in, week out. Eddie has got to concentrate on golf for a, for a bit, <laughs> or practicing well, it, for a bit. It, it, it does actually suit me because next Monday I'm playing golf. Um, so uh, next <laughs> okay. Monday was going to be a struggle anyway. Oh, so uh, this is your way yeah, of telling me. Uh, and we were running out of guests. You know, this week scraping the barrel. And um, whoa, 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 whoa! Matt Fitzpatrick is one of my favourite players and a, a blooming good player as well. So. Uh, no, I think once we got to Laurie Cantor, we'd have said, "Come on, now, this is this well, is madness." Well, we should. I think. I think we will get Laurie on after the British Masters up in Newcastle, when you can have uh, uh, me and Laurie tell, talk you through the experiences that we um, faced. 
yeah good excellent we will we will be back uh but uh thank you for listening um and thank you for the reviews which keep coming in and i know a lot of them uh you know um in fact barnett nickel uh of a former episode has got back in touch to update his review saying i was look i was feeling bad at the time of sending in that last review but this is you know a great podcast and i enjoy it's got helped get me through lockdown so for which i apologize now that we're taking a break but um we've got to as i say focus our attentions elsewhere for a bit so now i feel like our relationship with barnett nickel is he was he was falling off the cliff we've put our hands down he's we've pulled him back up and you know, we've pulled him all the way back up and now we're just going to uh, release him so he can fall to his death and uh, there that you good. go well, that's a good note on which to end um um anyway barnet nickel's fine uh we will be back um but we are just going to take a break for a bit but uh it's been it's been fun for a while and um i, I will I will not speak to... We don't speak. Eddie and I don't speak, really, if it's not about the podcast. So we're not even friends. So uh, Eddie and I will uh, exchange messages towards the end of July and we'll try and get this going again, uh, perhaps. But uh, anyway... I I just want to say the highlight for me was uh, Monty and his karcher. (laughs) Ah, dear. Okay, good. Good lad. Good lad. Good to see you. Thanks, Eddie. Thanks. (laughs) Finally! Good. Oh, right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.